This is the Pfeffer on Power podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Pfeffer. Every other week, we get a fabulous, interesting, amazing guest to talk about how they've used power and influence to accelerate their career. Today, we are going to be talking with Lucinda Stewart. I met Lucinda uh, through a woman who works with my class. She said, Lucinda Stewart embodies what you teach, and that turns out to be true. Lucinda went to the University of Puget Sound. She then got an MBA uh, from Northwestern University. But Lucinda is interesting because she has spent most of her career working as a woman in industries dominated by men. She worked for DFJ, Donaldson, Lufkin, and Jenrette. Uh, she worked, I believe, at one point for Morgan Stanley. She worked in the private equity industry. She worked for a venture capital firm. Today, she is a partner in Spencer Stewart, um, where she lives in Seattle. Spencer Stewart, of course, is in a very important and major executive search firm where Lucinda does executive search. I wrote a case on Lucinda, and the case really speaks to the combination of her being a woman in a man's world and throughout her career being able to get men and women to sponsor her. If you think about it, you know, my friend Keith Ferrazzi says, um, you are not responsible for your career. Others are responsible for your career. You are responsible for getting others to want to help you on your career journey. And Lucinda has been fantastic at that. Welcome to the Pfeffer on Power podcast, Lucinda. It's fabulous to see you again. <laughs> Thank you so much. And you know how when someone says something nice to you, you're like, Oh, gosh, you should really talk to my mother. My mother cannot get enough of your case study. So thank you, because you make me sound a lot better than I actually am. So thank you, Jeffrey. And actually, it was interesting because I actually talked to Lucinda's mother <laughs> as part, right. of my re well, part of my research for the case. So let's begin by talking a little bit about your formative experiences, uh, your time on the fishing boat and how you got in to the Northwestern program and how you played soccer on boys' teams as a little girl. In other words, some of your formative experiences that got you in some sense used to being in situations in which you were often the only woman or one of few. Yep. Well, I this is my pleasure and I'm happy to. I think it's interesting because the, the job I have now, you really have to influence probably more than any other job I've had. So in some ways, that influencing topic here is impacting putting CEOs in jobs today more so than it was investing. So for me, I think the formative pieces of my life, it really, a lot of who we are is how you're raised. And I was raised as the oldest of three girls uh, from an Annapolis grad army surgeon he was in the Vietnam War. I was born in Japan. And he literally treated me like there is nothing you can't do. So if you want to be on this men's uh, boys full soccer league, you absolutely can go for it. I remember climbing Mount Constance. I don't think I've told you this, Jeffrey, but with seven of his friends that were all 48 years old and I was 13. And he's like, there's no reason why you can't climb Mount Constance with the rest of us. And my mother almost had a heart attack. But when you accomplish it, I had this feeling of like, he's right. So my parents put me in the deep end time and time again, and it turns out we're all capable of doing way more than we think we can do. And the fishing boat was another example. So one of the things that my parents made me like encourage me to do is go on a fishing boat in the Bering Sea, and it turned out 
that when you do hard things and you accomplish them and they go well, it only just fuels your, your confidence for the future. So I was on this boat, 144 people, four or five of them were women. And it was grueling and tough and everything, but I still got there. And I was like, wait, I don't want to go where the women go. I want to go where the cool jobs are, where the men were, uh, mostly men, all men. And it was where the quality control and the machinery was. So even on that experience, I was just looking to always like push the envelope. So I think it's those early experiences got me thinking, don't let anything in my way. And then the Morgan Stanley job, I'll never forget when the CEO of Morgan Stanley interviewed every incoming associate. And he was like, there's no way you can handle my boys on the trading floor. And I'm like, well, I handled the Bering Sea relatively well. And it was an instant hire. He's like, you're hired, like on the spot. So then that fueled me of like, oh, people like others who have tried really hard and put themselves in the deep end and have survived. So it was a bit of a self-fulfilling experience. And when you were on the fishing boat, my recollection is, is you were able to get some senior people, including a guy, I guess, from the Marine Special Forces to protect you, to make sure that you did not get abused. Yeah, I just basically was like, listen, I this is a really dangerous location, dangerous place for me to be. We became really good friends and he pretty much was like, I'll make sure everyone leaves you alone. Keep doing what you're doing. And yeah, you, you, I basically was in a situation. It's almost like a Lord of the Flies situation. And I picked the largest person on the Lord of the Flies boat and made sure we were buddies. And for the rest of the time, no one messed with me. And so as you've gone up through and grown through your career, tell, give us a few tips, a few secrets about how you get people, that guy on the boat, um, uh, the people in your private equity firm, uh, the people at your venture capital firm, in addition, obviously, to your smarts and your ability, what are your, some of your tips or secrets to get people to help you and support you? Yeah, well, I, it's such it's interesting because you, Jeffrey, have caused me to really think about that. Like, what is it really? And I've really thought about this more recently because I do have an analyst at Spencer Stewart who I hired less than a year ago. He's smart. He really cares. He's passionate about doing top level work. And he's so thirsty to learn. And he's so thirsty to do an excellent job for me that I automatically want to put tons of time into this kid literally like the light bulb went off. I'm like, he is exactly the way I was, which is why I hired him. So he can't get enough learning. He'll, I'd love to like, if you've got time on Saturday, teach me about that financial model you were talking about. So people who are passionate and authentic, who truly want to learn, and they look to people who are senior to them and ask for that, ask for that, like teach me, push me, stick me in the deep end. I want this. Everyone is attracted to that personality. Most people are attracted to that personality type. And as a mentor now, not the mentee, probably my favorite part of my job is to be able to develop other people. And so I think that that is it. I think I was young, smart, hungry, passionate, and authentically wanted to improve myself and improve whether it's the client or the job or the deal or whatever. And more senior people gravitate to that. And I now am the senior person that gravitates to that same energy, if you will. So I think that's it. Yeah, I think there's another aspect as well. And I think this will be illustrated if you tell the story of how you got in to the Northwestern MBA program <laughs> when, when, they, when they originally had turned you down. And the attribute that I think the story you're about to tell is going to illustrate is the 
phenomenon of number one, resistance, but number two, being a little bit bold. So tell yeah. the story, tell the, tell the story of getting into Northwestern. I, this is, everyone has that dream, Jeffrey, where you wake up and you're in that final and you forgot to like put your clothes on. Like the, <laughs> this is the equivalent of me waking up in sweats dream, but it was actually my life that was happening. So I applied to Northwestern Harvard in Chicago at like 24 years old and, and all of them were like, nice try. No, basically. I was like, oh, it must be my GMAT scores. And I, I got a kind of informational interview and they're like, no, you need more experience. And oh, by the way, no offense, but you went to University of Puget Sound. We're not usually letting people in from that <laughs> level, right? I was like, in my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, watch me. And there is a little bit to me that's, oh, you know what? You put the word no in front of me. That just makes the challenge more interesting. So what I did is I was working full time, taking this private equity backed business public with my senior colleagues who I was working for. And I took classes at the graduate student at large program on the side at night at University of Chicago because you didn't have to get in and you could take three classes on the side. So I took accounting stance and finance one. I got A's in all my classes. I stapled those grades to my application. Then I got in to Chicago and Northwestern. I got waitlisted at Harvard. So I ended up going to Northwestern. But here's the story. So that was a little bit of like, push the envelope hard and don't say no, which I think you're getting to. But then at Northwestern, the dean saw that I was I was a night student working full time at night. Night students are not supposed to scoop up all the plum internships. You're just not supposed to. Those are meant for full time students. So I ended up, I think, with like six or seven of the investment banking offers from all the investment banks that came through. And they only hire like two people in the class for Morgan Stanley or for Goldman or whatever. And I got one of them from Morgan Stanley and the dean called me in his office. And he's like, whoa, 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 wait, you're a night student. What are you doing? And I was like, well, I will graduate on time with everybody else. And I earned this internship offer like everybody else. And I had taken classes on the side at Pace University at Morgan Stanley, by the way, when I finally got it that allowed me to transfer in and graduate on time. But I'd read the fine print that you were able to do all these things. And he looked at me he's like, yeah, but no one's ever done that. I'm like, yeah, no, no one wanted it as bad. Like I really wanted it. But he was a little bit like, wait, you can't do this. So I think sometimes you have to just push the envelope and push through. I love that. And uh, talk about also one of the interesting things that we also uh, covered in the, in the class is what you've done to get women on boards in Seattle and how that caused you to meet Warren Buffett and actually Jeff Bezos also and do a push-up contest with Jeff. So tell the story. Tell the story about how you um, tell, tell, that, tell that story as well. The story of how you, how you got uh, Warren Buffett and Bill Gates behind this initiative and then how you met Jeff Bezos. Totally. Well, that it, that's a super fun one. And it's a little bit, it's a recipe, right? The recipe is I'm lucky enough to be at a top firm, a global top firm, Spencer Stewart. So I had the brand, which I could not have pulled all this off without the brand. But so I had the brand and the credibility at from this, the firm, the wonderful firm I'm at. But then we also gathered three or four women turned into five or six women behind a passionate goal. It goes back to authenticity and passion and trying to make a difference and move the needle. And there were five or six of us that wanted to do that. And we looked at the numbers in the country and Seattle was like 14% women on public boards and the national average was 17%. And we were like nuts to this. There's no reason why Seattle, Washington should be behind the national average for diversity. Like it just didn't make sense to us. So we 
the five of us basically called all the CEOs in Seattle, like Brad Tilden, the CEO of Alaska Airlines, and we actually had Gates and Sacha as well, but Gates in particular was very much behind it. And we pulled all of them in a room. And we basically said, we want to hit this goal of getting 30% women on public boards within five years, but we need your help. And it turns out that all the men in these public companies, I think there's one woman and all the rest of them are men. We're like, we need your help because you're the ones that can add diversity on the boards. And we hit it. And on the way to hitting it, that's when one of the women was on the board of Berkshire Hathaway, Charlotte Guyman. And she's like, I think if we actually get close to hitting it, Warren will come out. And he'll give us a chance to do the fireside chat with him because he's been a proponent of women in his investments and on his boards forever. So we did it. It worked. It was exciting. And to be honest, all the CEOs in Seattle got so much behind it that we actually like surpassed our goal. The fun Jeff Bezos story is, so I'd always go to the Amazon party um, in the basement of Andy Jassy's house, who's now the CEO of Amazon. And year after year, we was just a great time with wonderful friends and colleagues. And for this party that got bigger and bigger and bigger as Amazon got, got more successful. And the, I think the 10th year, the 10th anniversary year, Jeff shows up. And he's getting a beer right next to me in this basement of this house. The house was bigger and more beautiful because Andy had done well. And I was like, oh, my goodness, what do you say to Jeff Bezos if he's in front of you? And he's wearing a T-shirt that was kind of tight. Clearly, the guy was into working out at the stage of his life. And his muscles were kind of bulging out of this T-shirt. I looked at him. I'm like, oh, my goodness, what, what am I going to say? So I just look at him. I was like, so what do you do? I just laughed at him. <laughs> and he's like, you mean for workout? I'm like, of course I mean for workout. So we ended up getting in this great conversation about business, but for like an hour, hour and a half. But I had the opening could not have been about business. I had to disarm him and get like humanize the whole situation. And then he's like, hey, can you even do push-ups after that whole opening line? I'm like, yeah, let's go have a contest. So we had a contest and he did 60 and I did 30. So I lost. Jeff won. That's amazing. <laughs> but, but, but part of what I think that illustrates so well is that you are not intimidated. I mean, and part of that, of course, makes you a successful search person also. I mean, to deal with CEOs and with boards and with people with, who are older than you, which you've done uh, mostly throughout your life, you have to be pretty fearless would be a word. Yeah, you do. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and that fearlessness comes, I guess, from your background and your and upbringing. It comes from my background upbringing, but I also, I do think if you have, if your intent is good, like when I'm fearless, it's usually for a bigger common ability to move the needle in some way. So it's, it's usually not self-serving if that makes sense. So if I'm fearless about going to like now, like put a CEO in a, in a, or win a piece of business, or if I'm fearless about starting a venture firm, which a friend of mine wants to start, I'm like, I can help you. Let's do it. And you can compete with the venture firm next door or in their, their market. If it's for a good cause or a good reason, I think being fearless actually is not that difficult to do. It's I think being fearless when you don't have the authentic intent is harder. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I I get that. And the fearlessness is what comes through in all of your stories. And I think this comes, maybe it comes back to the boat or how you were raised, but you are definitely willing to go and, and do anything for a cause. That I think is a fair statement. Isn't that right? Yeah. Anything for a cause. I think all, like I did my first half Ironman. 
four or five years ago. I had no business doing a half Ironman, but I was like, you know what? I can learn to run 13 miles and bike 55 and swim a mile and a half. Like, how hard can it be, right? And my sister and I fearlessly just put our mind to it, buckled down, and just did it. And I, I think I'll go back to, like, we all are way more capable than we think we are. So don't be scared, jump in the deep end, figure it out, whether it's business or personal or whatever. Like, yeah, I think I just am not afraid of a lot. I think that's true. Yeah. And also you are not afraid of hard work. I mean, my sense is that you're a very intense and hardworking person. You spend a lot of time on this. Yes. I mean, it, I think it goes, it's a passion for me, yeah, right? right? Like, I mean, there's, I talked to CEOs. I actually was talking to a CEO just the other day and he's like, I've made a ton of money. And I'm like, I know you have. So why should I put you up? Cause they're going to think you're not driven. And he's like, you know what? I don't like to golf. I don't like to sit around. My passion is my profession. And I'm a little bit like that where I love people and business and everything. And so if you love it, working 24-7 isn't hard. Yeah. And so I will ask you two more questions. And, and the first one is, you know, you are a woman and you have, I believe, three children. Yes. And so the question I think that many people will ask is, how can you do all this and be which you are a very high quality mother and spouse. Yep. That is probably, I think I've told you this, Jeffrey, I think it's probably one of the hardest things to do is to balance your personal and professional life. I, I, nowadays it's men's hard for men too, but I can just speak for a mom the whole way. It's super hard. And so you doubt yourself. You think you're a B player across everything in your life versus being an A player in one or two things. But here's how you do it. In my opinion, you set an example and you crush it in whatever you do and you make sure to feed into their minds of like women can be great, women can push the envelope in their own careers, you can too, whether it's my son or my daughter. So I, I think having them see me throw myself into the business world in a passionate way, I think is the right example for them. But then I, I will say I've also picked careers that have a lot of flexibility. So I don't ha I'm not on the road 24 seven. I can see them a decent, I've, I've figured out the balance, the time balance, but I don't apologize for working hard. And I, I'll even say to them like, yeah, you better study for that final because I work hard too. So we all have to work hard. And the final story I want you to tell, which is a story through which I met you um, when Lauren told me about you is of course the story of how you met your husband. Not how you met your husband, but how you married your husband. So tell, because I think this again illustrates a very important quality that I don't think a lot of people have seeing something that you want and being willing to go for it. Yeah. So I was in Chicago and I had heard about him that he was super funny and super smart and ambitious and interesting and all the things. And I went to a, with my ex, my boyfriend at the time. I went to his Christmas party and then my ex-boyfriend went to Harvard Business School and we agreed that we could see other people. So I specifically found, and he had taken me to Dave's party a year prior. I found out who this guy Dave was. I cold called him at his office uh, where he worked his law firm and said, hey, I was at your party last year. Can I please come this year? I've heard you're awesome. And I basically invited myself to his party so that I can meet him again. And I maybe that does go to like, if you put your mind to something and you just go for it. So that's, that's a fabulous story. Thank you so much um, for for talking so articulately about how to get people on your side and some of the very important principles that you've learned throughout your life. We've been talking with Lucinda Stewart from Spencer Stewart. Thank you so much for being on the show. 
Thank you. My pleasure. This has been the Pfeffer on Power podcast. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please subscribe and listen to future episodes with amazing guests who are going to tell you how they have used principles of influence uh, to become more successful in their careers. And for more information, visit my website at jeffreypfeffer.com. That's Jeffrey, the last name is P-F-E-F-F-E-R.com. And to further your career, check out my latest book, Seven Rules of Power. And with that, thank you again for being with us. Thank you.